0: My name is Billy. I'm here representing the retail investment side of things. We have Boomer with the global macro discretionary manager takes. So I just don't get any those. And how 69k astrophysicist turned quant trader turned crypto bond villain.
1: Yeah, Boomer, yep. you can trade that all you want, but their code sucks. When things get sloppy, that creates opportunities to go long.
0: How am I supposed to buy that without getting ripped off on fees?
2: That is a maxi take. Like, all of a sudden, so you're, a trading com- maxi- you're trading yeah, commodities instead of trading Bitcoin because you're so long Bitcoin. You're like, oh my God, there's increased I mean, costs. I'm selling all my Bitcoin fees. and buying natural gas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Foot uh, podcast episode. It is July 20th. 2021 this was recorded at 8:18 8, Eastern Time in the United States. I am Boomer, the global macro discretionary voice in the newsletter joined by Villy, uh our retail person and Hal 69K, the theoretical astrophysicist turned quant, turned full-time crypto prop trader. Guys, lots in the news. I know that we're going to focus on the main focus of this podcast is going to be what's going on in the DeFi space as we continue to expand both our understanding and our listeners' understanding of what it means to be DeFi and the governance surrounding those tokens. Uh, But why don't we start with just a little bit of price action around Bitcoin and Ethereum?
1: Yeah, I I think price action is good here uh, to talk about because kind of one of the general themes that happens is um, you know, I don't know where the saying comes from, but, uh, bear, you know, bearish markets equals bullish development. So all these, all these cryptocurrencies that have crashed now, you know, some of them are down like 95% already, uh, and, and they could go down 95% again. That's the thing. Uh, but now they're all trying to prove themselves. So they, you know, are just working as hard as they can to build new products now that the price has come down to separate themselves from other cryptos. Um, And that, you know, the big driver of all crypto market price is Bitcoin. And Bitcoin has just kind of been this really like subtle downward, like limp dick price movement.
2: Yeah, I have a little disclosure to make. Um, And I hope it doesn't offend anyone, but uh, I am actually short Bitcoin for the first time.
1: Let's, uh, I think all the the Bitcoin maxis would just be like, thanks for the funding, bro. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even right? short
0: Bitcoin?
2: So I'm shorting it via the CME product. I'm very small, short position. So the CME group through Interactive Brokers offers futures, and I'm used to the futures ecosystem. We keep hearing from Interactive Brokers that we're going to get more coins listed by the end of the summer, but we're getting kind of close to the end of the summer. And um, I, I, uh, I I, just think that it could go sort of in, it's, it's, it's sort of frozen in this little 30K thing. And I, I just have a feeling, and this is based on absolutely nothing, just based on years of trading experience, it's going to sort of break to the downside. Yeah. And and- I, don't, I don't think the break is going to be, I'm not saying, you know, we're going to 10K um, in it for what's called a swing trader, meaning I kind of rip and run, not a day trader, but I like to uh, try to see where the momentum is and when that momentum is going to switch directions. And so I think that, that a trip down to say, you know, 25,000 is not out of the question, but I will say this, I'm only short one mini Bitcoin contract. I mean, it's like $3,000 of market exposure at this point, not yeah. you know, mil- so- millions or something.
1: This is one of those points that's like, um, here's a here's a reasonable way to use leverage. And I've done this successfully in the past. I haven't done it right now. I've um, heard whatever my own personal complicated reasons. Um, but I have successfully in the past had a long term hodl position. And then at the same time, I used um, Mara and Riot, which are stocks that are Correlated to the Bitcoin price because they are mining companies, Bitcoin mining companies. So I have shorted those two stocks at the same time having a long term hold position, uh, you know, which is essentially a hedge. So I like, you know, I became neutral to the market. Those, those of you that don't know what that would do. And so the, the point is that I've capped my um, downside risk a bit on Bitcoin and uh, could actually make a small profit in the short term and then add to my Bitcoin position if I wanted to. Yeah, now,
0: the retail side, how I've approached this is just by simply transferring some of my Bitcoin into a, uh, <laughs> a stable coin that is actually more stable and tied to the US dollar because I'm not hedging anything. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to hedge a position. You can take a view. Uh,
2: the primary way that it's called expressing a view means you're putting on a trade and uh, it's sort of trader talk for I'm buying something, you're expressing a view. And one of the ways, I mean, the way we trade in global macro is we express our views always on a relative value basis. So if I'm, say, long oil futures, I'm going to be short, almost exactly like Hal was talking about. I'm going to be long oil futures and maybe short some producers I think are not that great. I'm looking to reap the spread in between the two. So I think oil is going to go up. But over that time period, I think the oil associated equities are going to underperform or vice versa. So that way, if there's a, a move downward, uh, that both things will sort of move down together. But I think the oil will outperform the equities on a relative value basis. And one of the things that's been lacking through Coinbase is the ability to, uh, and that whole ecosystem is the ability to put on shorts. And it's created what I think is a very unhealthy marketplace where you have one, you have one two two choices for the largest market for this stuff in the world, which is the United States. Um, and that is uh, you need both sides of the trade in a market to make a healthy market. You need people who are bearish and you need people who are bullish. And if your choices are limited in the United States between going long or doing nothing, then it just it creates this sort of, you know, massive sell pressure. You don't see this kind of selling pressure in other assets. And the reason you don't is because there's a there's more equilibrium of people expressing a bearish view and an, a bullish view. But if your only choice is either to go long or sell, then that crazy's, that's what I think creates these just sort of massive, you know, bearish moments for Bitcoin is that's your choice. You can either sell or go long, then. It just creates an unstable, you know, disequilibrium in the marketplace.
0: How 69K, one question that you kind of brought up earlier, it seems like a lot of the coins and companies that have corrected or dropped 90% uh, over the last couple of months are producing more quality products to prove their worth, as as you were saying. You see a a big difference in what companies are releasing right now compared to when Bitcoin was at 60K and there's... All these new items coming out, trying to catch a flash in the plan, and just a bit of the market share. Yeah,
1: I, I, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think anything's changed between like the new stuff coming out when things are going up. It's, it's the, it, you know, it's the cryptos that have actually established itself that says, okay, you know, like one example, um, there's a, you know, there's this crypto called synthetics, which has been trying to create synthetic assets on the blockchain you know for example the you know uh gold or the spy i I think they actually have like qqq or something like that um but the the point is like that that group of people has been fighting the entire way and then now that we've approached the bear market they're trying to you know go out and fight even harder at the same time, you know, the the scammers or whatever that were just creating coins left and right to rip people off. I don't think they've stopped. <laughs> you know, like everybody is fighting hard, right? It's just a matter of like, there's this moment here where the people that are building something that's that's useful um, can really shine because everyone's looking around at all the coins now in a more judging way. Um, and thinking about whether or not they're going to sell their, their coins. Right. So like if you're, that
2: that puts you in a more bullish or bearish posture, I feel like scrutiny towards products is good. More scrutiny creates a, right. I would
1: say long-term bullish, short-term bearish. It's the, I mean, it's, it's what the market's doing, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's why, it's why, we're, you know, one of the other things I want to talk about is this big debate between like on-chain and the the TA crowd is like, you know, a lot of hardcore technical analysis um, that have been around for a long time. One that's been loudly lately on Twitter is Peter Brandt, who, um, you know, has been famous with some, some really big successful calls in the past. Um, but I think people have been miss interpreting him on Twitter, what what he's trying to say is that this is actually a moment where technical analysis and um, on-chain analysis could be proven to be useful together if we actually do put in some sort of bottom uh, around these levels. And that doesn't mean that we couldn't go down to like 28.5 again, even 20, you know, 25, 25 would be, The point that if we hit 25 and we didn't bounce back very quickly then like the on-chain people are going to kind of look really silly because they're they're very confident that we're somewhere uh close to a bottom um so which which would mean if they're right and we had some like really big you know flash crash or something it should get bought up back to the levels that we're at
0: introduce some vocab to me who are the on-chain people
2: That's one of the things that I love about cryptocurrency. So a thing that I would love to have in global macro is uh, they do come out with what's called the commitment of traders reports for futures. The CFTC produces that, but it's backward looking and it divides things out between people are hedging out risk and speculators and all that, but you can't, you know, it's, it's a week old. And so you may see a lot of positions get knocked out of the, the marketplace or contracts created in futures, you have to have a buyer and a seller to create a contract. So it's a zero sum game, which means there's always a winner and there's always a loser. That's not necessarily the case with cryptocurrency. Um, And in fact, the whole issue around cryptocurrency is that Bitcoin has a fixed supply, which means it's the greatest store of value, whereas Ethereum doesn't. I mean, it, it, it it, it creates its own dilutive mechanism. Um, on-chain is a way to look directly into, because Bitcoin has a public and a private-facing reality. You have a private key, which only you know, and then you have a public-facing key on the blockchain. That is your position on the blockchain. So you're able to like, take x-ray vision in a way you can't do with stocks, futures, or foreign currencies with a laser-like vision, see all of the market participants, know where they joined the blockchain, i.e. what the price was, and based on the behavior, the people of, who who follow on chain very closely say that, you know, by seeing that so and so, this wallet that was very bullish has now become bear- bearish, or this holder of Bitcoin has been holding, or this number of people have joined the market, or, or whatever it is, these metrics, the on chain folks say, can be used to predict the future, right? And so where the where the fork. Uh, of what Peter Brandt is saying is there are you know the technical analysis freaks are like well no it's all based on the way things look out of the chart and the on chain is the closest thing just isolating bitcoin on chain is the closest thing you can get to fundamental analysis like we just we just had the oil supply report from the American Petroleum Institute numbers released today that showed an unexpected you know build in crude on-chain is the closest thing that Bitcoin has to that, right? It's the it's the closest fundamental thing you can look to to uh, something similar to an oil supply report.
0: Are the on-chain data analytics, I mean, is it just kind of something that you can mass pull and dump into a, a spreadsheet and analyze, or is it something you have yes. to individually look yes, at? Yes, it is.
1: And see? in fact, once a week, we do our own on-chain posting in our newsletter and we get our data from Glassnode. This is where a lot of the um, popular on-chain analysts on Twitter are getting their data from. Um, and so, yeah, you can go and get a subscription yourself to Glassnode. I think it's like 30 or $50 a month. Or you could subscribe to our newsletter and just trust that we're going to go in and find the best charts to show you. Yeah, big discount. Um, I like,
2: I like, I mean, I, it just as the the global macro guy here, I like uh, the way you present it Hal69K because it means I don't have to, you know, sift through a bunch of Bitcoin maxi hype beast. <laughs> yeah. Just...
1: Well, the, so the point that I was going to make um, is I actually have discovered a technical analysis signal recently that is um, similar to on-chain. Uh, what these people have done is they've gone and looked at um, You know, available data from uh, exchanges like Binance, Bitfinex, Coinbase, and they're looking at the top four accounts and they're looking at when they choose to buy and sell. And they have a, a, an indicator that has been very successful at flagging bullish and um, bearish. Uh, you know, in a in a way that's not like sell today, sell. You know, it's it's you should probably start reducing your position in the next month, or you should probably start adding to your position in the next month. And so, I think that's very similar to on chain because what it shows, you know, what they're trying to capture is the people, the the single entity that has the most to, to gain and the most to lose off of this. What are they doing, and you know, what is their behavior? And, you know, I, I think that on-chain is, is trying to capture the same sort of behavior, except on-chain goes way further. You know, you can look at any size, you can look at, you know, you can just break it down into all kinds of categories. And and the one thing that I think on-chain hasn't done is found within itself what are the important signals to look at. You know, I mean, like crypto, it, it's it's sort of what we're talking about right now, like this the what i think is the catalyst for this bear market it's just there's too many options in cryptocurrency and a new investor coming in doesn't understand why you know they need to to buy bitcoin or ethereum or the dog coin or cat coin or sushi or you know whatever um so you know i think the the market's just back in this phase of discovery and that discovery is like what do people actually think is important here like everyone knows that crypto is going to be useful in the same way when the internet emerged it was useful it's just like you know understanding something is useful is a lot easier than uh, investing and and trading
2: oh yeah i mean it took forever i remember you know in 1996 uh being plenty comfortable with like you know yahoo was a big search engine then and and being plenty comfortable with yahooing something google was powering its algorithm later on but i mean by no means would anyone exchange money on the internet that was viewed as i mean the idea that you would actually buy something over the internet i mean that didn't happen for another 10 years it took a while right
1: yeah yeah, yeah I and that. And there was plenty of examples of things that everyone thought was going to take off and bought into and, and, you know, it didn't work out for them in the short term. Right. And like, uh, you know, if there's that, this is just that moment where you really do want to sit back and just kind of see how it plays out if you're not invested. And if you're already invested, you know, everyone is asking that question right now is like, are the cryptos that I invested in useful? and, We can 100% tell you that or, you know, 99.999% tell you that Bitcoin is useful. Ethereum is useful. The rest of them, you know, need to prove themselves. Yeah. And this is this is the foot gun here to me, which is is
2: the there was this initial wave of altcoins where, you know, Bitcoin went from being sort of an esoteric thing to a more widely adopted investment strategy. And so a fashionable way to sort of play Bitcoin was to try to find, quote unquote, the next Bitcoin. How many times have you tried to go out and find the next oil? Well, I mean, a lot with like alternative energy and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, there's just oil and there's not oil. Right. And so the foot going to me is is when you see something that is promising to do what something already does perfectly well better that is a uh red flag and a foot gun to me
1: yeah i mean well i mean no even on that oil example you gave like look at the pain that is in the alternative energy industry right there's all sorts of competition people trying to prove themselves um you know certain technologies that are like oh we're going to be the best and then they like literally don't even have a product So, uh, yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of what's going on in crypto, which is, uh, you know, a new investor comes in and sees Bitcoin at $30,000 and thinks that they missed the boat. So
2: that you bring up a good point, Philly, which is the question is, okay, you've got this on-chain metrics. And what Hal said is, what do you do with it? So I would say back to and we try to say analogies from here, but it just it just happens. Um, the question is, is who matters the most, even though you have all these on analytics about who's long, who's short, where they're short and all that kind of stuff, who matters the most? Is it the most active trader in Bitcoin? Is it, uh, the most amount of Bitcoin wallets that exists, uh, by focusing on these quote unquote crypto whales who, you know, like you don't want to be trading off of what an Exxon trader is doing. They have totally different motives. I don't think it's the who the matters
0: the most. It's the what matters the most.
2: Well, no, it's the who, because, I mean, there's someone who physically remember Bitcoin has a public and private reality. Right. So the, pro, the the you're seeing the public interface, but you still don't know the identity of the private key holder. Right. So you're still guessing as to who or what the whales motives are. And, and you don't necessarily know what that is. There could be someone who's been holding Bitcoin or got into Bitcoin at 60K who's like, you know what? I can handle this loss and I'm going to hold till the end of time.
1: The weirdest part to me about on chain is like I have, you know, I have a friend that's like really deep into TA and makes some really nice calls and send me some nice Bitcoin charts. And then I'm just like, hey, that's a cool TA chart. Like, check out this on-chain chart. Isn't that interesting? And they're just like, I hate on-chain. It's just like I, I, you know, like I'm just like, hey, I didn't say look at this on-chain chart. Like, put on a long. Like I was like, look at this on-chain chart. Isn't it interesting? Like I, you know, uh, that (laughs)
2: to me is that to me is also one of the benefits of being uh, looking at crypto. Is it's interesting. I mean, it, in some ways, it's the video gamification of finance.
1: Yeah, and, that, um, I, that's a really—I think you really nailed it there. I, I mean, that—that that for me it sums up crypto. And it, but but
2: but there's also a lot of money chasing this stuff now. It's not just Robin Hood kids anymore, right? And that's why that's why we're doing this to combine you know a traditional global macro take with a quant and a crypto-focused person and a retail person. So, let's talk. A,
0: let's talk about a more specific application. Sounds like there's some big sushi news going on. Hell, sixty nine k. What was the uh, Discord that you were just listening to before this podcast?
1: Oh yeah, oh, that that's the sushi Discord itself. The um, yeah, I mean, kind of a historic moment for humanity is going on right now, where a random group of people have organized themselves online from all different time zones across the planet. And they're now in a heated debate about, you know, an equity raise. I, you know, I think it started with like a 50 million dollar equity raise and then um, several, you know, several loud voices, one of them being SBF um, from uh, FTX, the CEO of FTX, one of the richest crypto uh, holders in the world, um, joined the Sushi Discord and gave his opinion about the raise. Uh, you can actually, if you Google like SBF sushi, we'll put a, li- we'll put a link. Yeah, in that yeah, we can put in a link. Um, but you can actually hear his his opinion on it. Um, and so someone like that came in and gave a big opinion, and that started this whole sort of um, you know emotional storm on on Twitter about. Um, how sushi should be doing this VC raise. And a lot of people that have a lot of clout came out, one of them being ARCA, um, which came out to say that they have a large sushi holding. And this is their opinion about how the sushi raise should go. So, you know, th- there's now been three or four Discord meetings about it. They just postponed the most recent one so that it could go on during an, uh, a time zone where. Uh, the the people in Asian countries are awake. Uh, to be Wait, can, fair can to we,
2: them, can we just stop for a second?
1: Because because this
2: is to me also one of the great promises of crypto. This is why I'm here. Is I've there's no other place in finance this is happening where people are collectively organizing themselves, like Hal's talking about, and thoughtfully saying to themselves, "Gee." Let's get the sushi holders in another part of the world's opinion on this. It would be wrong not to get their opinion on this. Can you imagine if we govern the world this way? And and this is where, you know, sometimes you see these sort of like crypto utopians. You're like, Bitcoin is going to radicalize everything and make end poverty and all that kind of shit. No, it's not. But this kind of approach, can you imagine if we had a working institution where you know before anyone made a foreign policy decision they just kind of thought about
0: you know what do the other guys think
2: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> right
0: I and mean, we
2: don't and have
1: that i do want to i do want to make a statement that uh, what we're talking about they're calling themselves a dao d a o which is uh decentralized autonomous organization so this is the first stab at this structure Um, and personally, I spend a lot of time in multiple DAOs discords and I can tell you that no one knows what they're doing, but they're trying, you know? And so, you know, obviously you're breaking new ground, you're moving into an area that doesn't have any theoretical research behind it. So everyone's just sort of taking a stab at it and, um, yeah, you know, it's represented in the, in the price. Uh, That's why you see these currencies jump up 200% and then crash 95%. But isn't that,
2: there's a lot of that and there's a lot of capital loss there, but isn't that a wonderful thing just to watch? It's like, it's like, uh, you know, I'm heavily follow international relations and watching, you know, uh, something we, 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 we lost over the last however many years or whatever is the spread of democracy and we watching it take hold. It's not always a, it's a messy process, right? The birth of democracies in previously authoritarian states is a very messy process. There's a Real risk of backsliding. There's a lot of infighting, whatever. But when it takes hold, it is just such a beautiful thing to see people, you know, finally who have been oppressed have a voice. And I don't know. This is this is just a really cool part of crypto. That even if you're are saying to yourself, "Well, I don't know about sushi swap, whatever," take a little bit of a step. Get it. Get in some of these DeFi spaces. Do a little research on uh, DAO. You know, it's like watching countries emerge. It's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. That's what I was
0: going to say. Would, would you compare kind of these these new DAOs and, and protocols being written for the first time to almost like uh, constitutions in a way? I mean, it's rules of governance, really. Yeah,
1: in, in some sense. And I do want to take this moment to, to point out that... You know, one of the reasons why we have like our cheat sheet on our newsletter, and then we also talk about these things, is that we're not, you know, we we're coming up with these long term points that you know we think is evolving to in the future. But this isn't affecting our short term, you know, price decision and trade decisions. We are just choosing to follow these with our, you know, our time and effort. Um, we're giving you the cheat sheet, which tells you whether or not you know it's a good time to buy um, buying something because you think it's going to be great in 10 years you don't you know you have to accept the fact that like you're not going to be buying at like the perfect minute of the perfect day at the perfect week
2: yeah absolutely and the, the sort of the second part of that the engagement part of that is that I'm someone who and I know you are too Billy who loves going down rabbit holes like I run up down in a rabbit hole about the boar war you know, uh, Africa, and just read everything I could about it. And you know, I'll go on Wikipedia rabbit holes, which are less satisfying than sort of you know multi-month engagements or whatever. But instead of reading about the formation of something in the past, you're watching it take place in real time. So this is sort of the birth yeah. of transnational nations in real time. So that's what I would recommend to listeners: is that you know. Yeah, don't necessarily have to run out and buy this stuff. But it is a fascinating rabbit hole to go down. And it is extremely interesting to watch people organize themselves. I mean, again, you're seeing sort of like transnational capitalism being formed. And it's uh, it's a, a very engaging place to be.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, just, just to hype up, like, just how revolutionary what's going on uh, in a completely organically organized way, right? The decentralized autonomous organization. SushiSwap has, you know, at the same time of making this huge release today about Trident, they're trying to do this VC raise. And the people that are involved in those two things are not the same people. So they sent this guy to the Ethereum conference to talk about trident and the team behind trident that's organizing this while simultaneously having another team that's trying to do the vc raise and you know there was a tweet from the guy that's doing the trident stuff that hasn't been paying attention to sushi and he said oh like what the hell's been going on while i've
0: been trying (laughs) to do this other thing so these guys they're i mean they're part of sushi they're salaried employees i mean how does how does that how does that work in these
1: right so DAOs? okay so we're go- so we got to go back to private and public keys right so the reason that any of this can work is this you know this uh how it can be decentralized and how it can be organized is you have a private key and you have a public key controlling things so what you can do with the private key is you can split it up um and i i, I would have to look at the exact details I, w- I would guess five but a lot of the DAOs go with five or more and so you hand out these private keys to people that are involved that have a serious stake in the, the protocol. And the idea is that if you have enough people involved uh, controlling the stake, you... Um, oh, I, oh, I think I got this completely wrong. The DAO uh, in Sushi actually has control. I don't think there's single people that have control. The, um, the Sushi holders, so the people that own the token have control over uh, the funds in the treasury. And so the funds in the treasury get allocated to hire people. And so the entire, um, the entire system is run by a vote and bid um, system. And so, you know, uh, one of the biggest uh, things that people think why DAOs are going to fail is that they're just like, can't get organized and there's going to be too much democracy.
2: (laughs) Can I just jump in
1: here? Do you think that the, process or their creation
2: around apple was any more pleasant (laughs) or facebook or you know anything that's sort of become big the first creation of the first oil company the first you know car company it's all messy it's just like forming democracies it's messy but there's value if you can spot which ones are more likely to succeed and which ones are not right that's where i get really interested that's where i get really interested and the combination of global macro and crypto is where I'm looking for the relative value here. So Hal can point out to me, hey, I think this DAO is more likely to succeed than that other DAO. Or, you know, then I can go long the one that's more likely to succeed and short the other one. Now, yeah. that, compa- that capability uh, of my ability to do that as a global macro guy has been limited by uh, this sort of lack of regulatory framework. So that it's not a, you know, you can't. I can't go long sushi and short Uniswap, which is a trade I'd love to do, love to do without taking 22 steps, which Hal knows how to do, but I'm kind of not comfortable with. And Billy, you're 100,000 miles away from. So I'm I'm, I'm very excited and very bullish on this FTX coming out. And I think SBF is unlike sort of Zuckerberg. I think he's got a very pragmatic approach. Um, and I think he knows what he's holding, i.e. he knows he has a, there's, he, he puts off a vibe of um, custodianship that, you know, Facebook, uh, by the way, did you know Facebook has a VP of integrity?
1: Uh, I, I would, not I would imagine that. that that was a response
0: that they. Took <laughs> yeah, I guess uh,
1: right after all the stuff that happened around Cambridge Analytica, I can imagine that they have something like that. But I mean, that is just a jo- what a joke! <laughs> what an absolute, what an
2: absolute joke! And and to respond uh, to respond to the to the U.S. administration by saying, uh, you know, when they said, "Hey, look, you're spreading misinformation," they their counterpoint was they came out and they're like hey, you didn't meet your vaccination goal. Don't blame us. It's like, we didn't meet our vaccination goal in part because you're spreading all this bullshit. Yeah, no. That's where people get their news. Like Something like 60% of people get their news from Facebook. And one of the things I love about decentralized finance and, and, and DAOs it is, is it doesn't take place on Facebook.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, actually, um, it's, it's taking place uh, in multiple technologies and utilizing everything they can to enhance communication. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... So
2: there's, there's going to be fights, there's going to be spats, there's going to be forks. I mean, that's what the difference between Ethereum and Ethereum Classic is, is there was a fork in the blockchain where one group of people thought this and the people thought that, and that's fine. But you know what you don't have to do, and you know who's not there, your drunk fucking uncle posting on Facebook. <laughs> I
0: just cannot believe that they decided it was a good idea to say, hey, this is not a fork. We're calling it Trident. <laughs> so yeah, funny.
1: yeah, no. it's, it's Well, it's a, it's a stab at, you know, I just heard moments before we started recording um, someone saying that they were short sushi, and the reason they were short sushi is that it's just a fork. <laughs> so, well, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens if... Um, if yeah, try do- if to tri- do- itself, then yeah, then then that narrative goes away. Yeah, but but
2: but but, but, but Philly, I mean, if I said, uh, "Oh, you got strep throat? Here's some uh, mold." Okay. I want you. To, I want you to put this mold in your body. It's going to okay. make you better. I think you'd probably be like, "I'm not interested in that." But if I told you, "Here's some penicillin." You're going for penicillin. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could have just let me say it. Let's try it again. So, really if I told you I could put mold in your body when you had strep throat to make you better, you probably would not be interested in that, right? Uh, absolutely not. And so, somebody at some point had to come up with a name that was better than mold. They came up with penicillin, and um, I, you know, I. But this is again, if the if the if your if your hot take on sushi is your short sushi because calling it a trident is a gimmick. To me, you're watching the marketing department, which there is no marketing department, but you're watching people attempt, attempt to differentiate themselves in real time. For once, you're watching a startup and you can go be a part of it. You can go buy the token and go be a
1: part. Yeah, you of it. can also not buy the token and be a part of it. You can go. That, that's true too. Yeah, you. But can right go now, there's all
2: these guys out in Silicon Valley who are jerking each other off in, in offices, so you can't even go in there. I mean, this is all VC private company shit. Yeah, no,
1: you can literally join the call about the debate about the fifty million dollar VC raise, having never been a part of Sushi before, and raise your hand, and maybe somebody will ask you like what your opinion is.
0: Yeah, like so SBF wh- might not have any sushi. Maybe he does. I have no idea, but he's probably <laughs> he's joining this Discord and he's one of the most influential voices, regardless of how much he owns. Huh? So to sum up and to close out the podcast, this is this is
2: this is this is, this is important stuff. DOs are 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 in fact revolutionary as they are transnational attempts at corporate governance taking place in pure free market capitalism. And as they form, just like the way democracies form, things get sloppy. When things get sloppy, that creates opportunities to go long. When we see uh, democracy taking hold in in an emerging market country and it's working, what do we do? We get long that country. And so maybe one way, again, people keep asking, what is crypto? What are these digital assets? Maybe you just view them as countries because they don't have a nationality. And so, and so as you see them stabilize and get better in their governance, keep an eye on them, check in, follow them. But you can have so much fun with this stuff and never even trade it is my thing. It's like, it's it's just fascinating. You get to watch, instead of, you know, f- reading about it in some book three years, you know, years from now about the founding of Facebook or whatever. This stuff is happening real time in front of you. It costs nothing. It does not take place on Facebook. Go join in! Thank you so much, House sixty nine K, for breaking down DAS. Thank you, Billy. It's been great to be with you. And this has been the Footguns Podcast for July twentieth.